Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. During his five years as a cast member on Saturday Night Live, my guest on this week's show was probably best known for this impression. We've got an amazing lunch to get to, but first I'm sure that Connie wants to make one or two brief Lucid remarks, Scotty. First, let me begin with the idea that time is a myth of infinite amounts of universe, and I'm a prisoner in a different dimension. Have I lost anyone so far? Okay, so I'm gonna talk about trap doors. Like the 13th Amendment is a trap door. And if you're installing a floor, okay, AKA the Constitution, why would you build a trap door where you could end up with the Unabomber? This guy might be cuckoo. I mean, I've been in the room with Dennis Rodman and Kim Jong-un, and they made a lot more sense than him. And then, if you eat in Chicago, some people call it Chirac, but I, the murder rate is going down 20% every year, and pretty soon it's going to be a negative murder rate. We're going to be digging bodies out of the ground. Bodies back and talk. He doesn't stop. He doesn't listen to anyone but himself. Who does he remind me of? And I don't want to brag, bro. I don't want to brag, but I have, really have a high IQ. I'm a stable genius. I got a big brain, and I got the best words. Oh, my God, he's black me. This is The Last Laugh. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast, and that was Chris Redd as Kanye West, opposite Alec Baldwin's Trump, on SNL. After our conversation with Melissa Villasenor last month, this is now our second consecutive episode with one of the eight cast members who left SNL after the most recent season. Kate McKinnon, A.D. Bryant, Pete Davidson, you are welcome here anytime. But today is all about Chris Redd, whose first hour-long stand-up special called Why Am I Like This is currently streaming on HBO Max. And by the way, we were supposed to put out this episode last week, But Chris had to cancel at the last minute after he was attacked in front of the comedy cellar the night before and ended up in the hospital. So I'm really glad he's feeling better now and was able to reschedule our talk. We cover a ton of ground in this episode, from what really happened last week to the, let's say, mysterious circumstances surrounding his surprise departure from SNL to, of course, his thoughts about Kanye. So let's go to our conversation now. Here's me with Chris Redd. Well, thank you so much for for doing this. I'm so glad we're getting to do it because, uh, as I'm sure you know, we uh, were supposed to talk last week, and uh, you know had to had to cancel last minute. And of course, I I only found out why uh, on TMZ the next day. So um, I'm, uh, I'm so glad to see that <laughs> I'm glad to see that you're that you're doing okay. Um, and I want to get into your special and everything else, but before we do. Um, I know that uh, you you sent out a message, you know, thanking everyone for their support, and um, you know, saying that that there were some some details that were maybe wrong in the in all the tabloid reports. So, uh, what what really happened outside the, the comedy cellar last week? Oh man, a surprise party of one fist, nigga. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I was walking up to do a show. First of all, I didn't get out of a car. I walked there. Uh, 
like any New Yorker. And they just added a lot of details. I was just got done uh, texting my cousin who's in Olive Tree above the cellar so I could go uh, eat some of his fries before I hit the stage real quick for my first set of three. And uh, as I put my phone in my pocket and, and uh and look and walk and you know, continue to walk up to the cellar as I always do, this this man uh hit me in the face with uh something metal. It, 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 either it was uh I thought it was brass knuckles because the way it cut my it cut my uh nose to the bone. And I I've been I've been I've been like boxing for like years. So I know I first of all I've taken a punch to the face before. So it, it wasn't like terrifying, but what was uh Worrisome is, is is how much blood was coming out of my face, and and it just looked it looked like, I mean it was I mean look I got two fractures in my nose and a, and a, and a fracture in my cheek, you know but uh, a fist don't normally do all of that at one time so uh, it was safe to assume I was hit with something but dude just hit me and ran off man and I and I was sitting there I fell down so fast I didn't even know I fell until I looked at the footage I was like yo I ain't I ain't fall down at least I ain't fall down you know you know when you get you know you know some shit happened to you you try to Reach for the positives, like yeah, 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 he knocked me, he 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 hit me, but I ain't fall though, you know. Yeah, that's uh, what everyone was saying about fall. Chris Rock, right? Uh, that he uh, he he stayed on his feet. Yeah, yeah, I I jumped back on my feet very quickly, um, literally immediately, but like I did hit that ground for five seconds, stuff. <laughs> but that guy was gone. Yeah, he was gone, man. He hit me. He was gone. I was just I was gushing blood so i couldn't i couldn't look around it wasn't really about the pain at that point i, I it was just so much blood I, I couldn't i was like trying to figure out where where he was and i couldn't chase him down the street with like blood gushing out my face so before i before i knew it somebody was out with like tissues like everybody from the club which you know shout out to the club for for helping me no one chased him down you know what i mean but they you know they all like that's that's family you know and they all had my back and shit and, and then they called an ambulance who took me uh, to the hospital, they stitched me up, um, you know, and that, and that's, that's where we at with it. <laughs> yeah. I guess you probably weren't in, weren't in the shape to do it, but I was wondering if you were at all tempted to to go inside and just get on stage and start talking about it right then. Absolutely. I was, man. I wanted, <laughs> if, if I could, if we could have stopped the bleeding, I would have went on stage. Like that's, that's just kind of what, what it, I was like, Oh, I can't wait to talk about this shit. And then, uh, you know, and now I'm, I'm glad I waited, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that was my first thought. Cause that's why there's blood on the stairs of the comedy cellar. Cause I got hit and I was like, ah, my set. And like, that's all I could think about. Hey, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go t- talk to the people. I'm like, oh, I can't bleed on them though. That's kind of weird. That's not the show. That's not the show they pay for at all. You know? Have you started to think about how you might talk about it on stage at all? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I got some, uh, I got some jokes for sure. Uh, as, as many jokes as other people have, nobody has as many jokes about this than I do. So, uh, you know. Um, all right. Well, I'm, as I said, I'm glad that you're uh, that you're feeling that you're feeling well, and um, this is a a big moment for you. I mean, uh, you know, as we're talking, your special is about to premiere on on HBO Max. Um, it's your it's your first big hour long special. Um, I got to see it and and thought it was really fantastic. I, I really loved it and thought it was was so great. Um, and yeah, so so let's get into it. I mean, you've been working towards this hour for a long time, I imagine. Um, what did you What did you feel like you wanted to do with it? What did you want to say about yourself and and put out with this special? Well, it's it, uh, th- thank you by the by the way uh, for watching it and, and, and enjoying it. Um, it it is it's a culmination of, of of all the years of of comedy, all the years of being on the road. Um, it's really introducing people to 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 me where I'm at currently in this in this stage. Um, you know, 
where I'm I'm doing a lot of self discovery, a lot of like uh, you know I'm I'm really aggressive about my mental health journey and, and and how it affected things, and so taking a look back with that lens and and, and introducing the world to me in general is kind of what the theme of this special is, you know, and um and and hopefully people walk away with with a little bit of that, and just like having patience with yourself with, the, with with when dealing with things or people in your life who deal with these things and. Be able to laugh at some things that you can't change, you know what I mean? Um, that's kind of, that's kind of, I just want motherfuckers to walk away and think this is funny <laughs> and, and, and want to see another one, you know? So that's, that's, that's the, that's the main goal for real uh, is, is for people to just like really see my comedy longer than the five minutes a week I was, or that they're used to. Cause I've, I've been on so many shows, I've, I've done so many shows, thankfully before my hour special that. That is, it was a great. This is a great way for people to see everything stripped down, not with a wig on or whatever, you know. Yeah, but just I, I, like you know, me. Yeah, I was thinking that. I mean, I feel like for you know, all of us who've been watching you on SNL these past several years, it's like we get to see you in little five minute chunks, playing other characters. Sometimes you know, doing stuff as yourself. But um, this is a real chance for you to you know take up space, show your real self in a way that you probably never really could on that show. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, th- there's there was bursts of it, and that's that's the excitement, right? That's that's the challenge of the show is trying to get your voice in there as much as possible, and um, and, and, and write something that's as close to what you would you know naturally do outside of the show, uh, but for the show, you know, um, and for this, it, it was it was it was nice because even even you know even if I had to cut material, I'm still in it. <laughs> no one can cut me out this show. <laughs> <laughs> That's not happening. Ain't no cup of time here, baby. you know, I think it's there probably will be people who see this special who have never seen you do stand up, who only know you from SNL. And I think you know it's so obvious how how much of an accomplished stand up you are watching it. Um, I love how seamlessly you move between your material and talking to the crowd and engaging with people. What What, what was your dream as a kid? What's your name? Carter. 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 What do you do right now? I'm a surgeon. You're a surgeon. Now, are you a single surgeon? Yeah. Not for long. Yeah. As soon as this nigga said surgeon, pussy got wet. Ooh. Oh, damn. I got a cut right here. Did it take a long time for you to kind of develop the, the confidence to do that, to move in and out of uh, material and some improvised stuff, just talking to the audience? Yeah, I mean, I really love improv. And, I, and, and, and there's always been this running joke that, like, improv doesn't pay any money. <laughs> so I'm yeah. like, I'm, I'm of the mind where, like, it, I, I think it's a, it's a true gift and a tool if, if done right. And I wanted, I've been working towards trying to find a way to scratch both the writing and stand-up side of myself and the improv, improvised side of myself. So I've been working for a long time on the road with just, like, trying to like not do things that are easy uh improv wise and just trying to and, and i just started at the maybe my sixth year or seven year in comedy i just started like melding the two it, it was something i it was a goal that i had and i just kept trying it trying it and every show wasn't a success but then it just got to a point where more often than not i was having like really great shows where i was able to like have these incredible moments of like, with with somebody and tying it into something else. I'm like, so I I want to do that for the special. Like I knew I wanted to do that. I didn't know what who they were, what they gonna say, none of that shit. But like, 
I wanted to, you know, I wanted to capture the magic that that happens on the road in the clubs because I think that's what stand up is. It's like, and, and a lot of nights I, on this tour, I was like, oh, that was a special that, that night. Well, that was a special that night. It was like, so yeah. how do I how do <laughs> yeah, I bottle that how moment? How do you get better than that? Yeah, how do we bottle that moment and actually put it in the special for real? So, so I was grateful, man. I had a lot of like, I had a lot of people in that audience that were just there and game to uh, just you know be vulnerable and. And it, and it helps me. And secretly, it help it it helps me be more comfortable coming out with my my mental issues because that gives me a lot of anxiety even talking about it. So it kind of evens the playing field when people share some of their shit. So I can like you know. So it's like ah, all right, now we see we all fucked up. I'm comfortable, you know. What I mean, it's, so that's it's, it's also kind of serving that purpose too. Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned that you are you know very open about your struggles with mental health and you like talking about that on stage. How do you approach making it funny, you know, because it's stuff that can be really hard. Um, and then you it's your job to figure out how to to make people laugh with it. So how do you how do you think about that? I mean, I, I, I guess I don't really think about it anymore because I'm just in, I'm just in, in a place where I'm uh, I'm used to leaning on my creativity to deal with pain. So so most of the time, you know, so anytime something happens bad, I just I can't help but like try to figure out a way to cope with it through comedy and making fun of it. So uh, that's that's always been a coping mechanism and it's, you know, and it's no different now. I just get paid for it. <laughs> All my therapy sessions have been over Zoom. So I don't know if my therapist has legs. <laughs> now I assume she has legs because everybody in my life has legs. <laughs> but I also know there's a legless community because I'm not ignorant. Wake up. I love telling white people to wake up. Especially when they're already awake. I do feel like there's this sort of uh, unhinged quality that runs through a lot of the characters that you've played, um, thinking about going all the way back to uh, to Popstar, which was really, I think, your your breakthrough role um, in a lot of ways as uh, Hunter the Hungry, um, the rapper in that movie. Um, and you were you were kind of uniquely qualified for that role, right? Because you were uh, you started as a as a rapper before you got into comedy. Yeah, yeah, I was rapping for like 20 years. Yeah. Um, and so was that was that a role that that really appealed to you or that you really felt like you could you could handle because of that? Oh man, I felt like that role was made for me. Uh I, I, I saw it and I was like, yo, what? That's me. That's that is legit me. And then I heard I heard who else was up for it, and it was like Chance and Kendrick, and there's a bunch of people, like, like a few like really awesome people were up for it. And I was, like they they were considering they were considering hiring someone who was a, primarily a rapper as opposed to a, an actor comedian. Yeah, yeah, and and, and, and those dudes obviously have have what it takes to, to to rock a role. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I was I was I was the unknown guy, you know, in the race, but I knew I had all the skill sets. You know what I mean? I just had to show show these show these dudes what I got, and so. I, I, you know, I, uh, I went overboard on, on that first audition. I, I, you know, I, I freestyled for like 20 minutes or some shit, stupid shit. Yeah. <laughs> and they were impressed I, I, though. Yeah. Yeah. They, they were also like, Hey, next time, you know, I got to rap that long. We get it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, and then uh, I heard that you also auditioned. Um, part of your audition was that scene with the, where you're talking about the prank that you, uh, that you yeah, pull on, man. Uh, on Andy Sandberg's character. Yeah, that's my favorite. That's my favorite scene, dog. It's so funny. Like 
that was I had so much fun in the audition just like reading that because it, it's just a funny game and I and there's so many places to play with it and uh, and and that was really that was a really fun part of that movie was they they let me play a lot you know they let me like improvise a bunch and and uh, we found like a lot of cool like ways to extend jokes it was I mean I love those guys. Hey, look, thank you, dog, because this shit was hilarious, fam. Well, I'm so glad that I could entertain you, Hunter. You wouldn't happen to know anything about this, would you? Oh, I wish. This is like genius prank shit right here. The next level, like, you would have to be the best prankster of all time to think of something like this. And, well, shit, that's, that's me. Maybe I did do it. Nah, I didn't do it. Or did I? Nah, I didn't. Oh, maybe I did not do it. Did you? <laughs> I didn't do it or I did. Who knows? I don't. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that movie obviously had a lot of SNL people involved in it. Was SNL on your radar at that time as a goal, as something that you that you were looking to do? I, at that point, I thought I, I thought I was just, I thought I was just going to be one of those comics that like, doesn't go on that show. Like I, I, I wasn't really thinking about SNL in, in, in any kind of sense. Um, because I, you know, I was coming from a city who had SNL like auditions and I was never asked or put on the list for any of that. So I went the other way, you know, it's, it's like, instead of there are the people who like want, the dream, and then there's people who like are like, you know what? I don't need that shit, you know, because it's, it's not coming to you anyway. And so it was like, I managed my expectations. I just thought I was gonna be, you know, working my way up uh, another another way in the industry, you know what I mean? And and um, so when the audition came, when I was in LA, uh, it, it kind of surprised me. I was like, oh, okay, cool. But I didn't even put together the two things because it happened so so long from when I was actually did the movie to like getting an audition, all that shit was like, there was like years in between that. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love the part in your special where you're, you're talking about how SNL was, was never your dream that it's sort of a, a white people's dream. And, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I felt very seen when you joke about how much, uh, white people are obsessed with that show. Yeah. Um, that was, so that was, that, that was never your, that was never your dream, right? No, I mean, like, you know, listen, yeah, I, I love that joke because it, 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 it really, I love that joke because it's so true in, in a lot of ways, but also um, it is dream work. And I, and I did have a lot of fun, but no, nah, man, I, I'm not going to sit here and be like, because it, it, I feel like it takes away from the people who, who who were really dreaming about this since they were kids. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I really wanted the gig a lot, especially when they sh- showed interest. Like when they told, when they offered me the job, I was like, hell yeah, I want that. But like, I, you know, if I had never got it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be down about that. You know what I'm saying? I was, I had already prepared in my mind that I wasn't going to be on that show. Like, so that's kind of where I was at with it. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, and, and honestly, people just love the show like so much in a way. Yeah. I'm like, man, <laughs> you love it way more than me. <laughs> people think I'm living my dream right now, man, because I'm on SNL. People think I'm living my dream. I'm living white people's dream. See, no, I'm having a great time, but y'all love SNL on a different level. White people love SNL in a way that, like, if there was a flag to put on your house, you would have it. <laughs> With, like, the years that you actually watched the show. Because <laughs> only white SNL fans run up to me like, ooh, you living your dream, Chris! And I'm like, first of all, get off me. Second of all, <laughs> dream chill. 
I'm grateful. I'm very blessed. It's changed my life. But dream? You think I'd be five, six in my dreams? <laughs> Nigga, no. I'd be 6'10 with wings. Same size dick fucking in the sky. That's a dream. What was the audition like? Did you did you audition two years in a row? Because I remember there was something about you got you got sort of like falsely announced as being hired yeah, when you weren't. Yeah, man, this this, this idiot blogger uh, said I had got the job right after I auditioned, dude. And I was on a plane with the two other people, and the person that was yeah, Melissa, Melissa, who actually got hired, but at that moment. She wasn't in that announcement with us. And so I'm sitting here thinking, like, she ain't get the job. I got the job. We got to fly back together, like, sitting right here, acting like we don't know what's going on. But I my, I don't have any internet. And I, go, I don't want to ask her because I don't want it to be awkward. You know what yeah, I mean? Right. Meanwhile, she got the gig, nigga, the whole time. <laughs> uh, and then, it, it was... And- yeah, so you found out that you that you didn't actually get it. Was that was that tough to take the the sort of roller coaster of that? Yeah, yeah, because it's it was so public, man. Like I don't, you know, I don't really like my pub, my private life in the public, uh, even though is, that's kind of just happening right now. But like, it's hard to I, avoid. Yeah, but it, so so it's just weird, man. Because if you if you don't get a job at McDonald's, you can just never go to that McDonald's again. You know what I'm saying? And and but like it. When you don't get a job like this, all everybody's checking up to see if you got it or you don't got it and why you don't got it. It's like move it's hard to move on when people that's all they bring up to you. So that was that was happening for like three months straight. They were like, Yo, we don't see you in the credits. I'm like, I'm not on the show. You know, it was uh yeah, it, you know, it it's it sucked. But uh you know, I just kept it pushing, you know what I mean? And and then uh they called me back that next year and I was bitter as hell. So I, but I still went to the audition just to just Did you consider it. saying saying fuck you and uh, walking away? Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? But then at the end of the day, you know, I was thinking about the big big picture of things. And I was like, let me just go do the audition. Like, it don't hurt. And they were like past. They just brought me in for the callbacks. They didn't make me go through the whole thing again. If Yeah, if I had to do the whole thing again, I don't think I would have did it. But, um, but yeah, it, but, they, you know, I went to the callback, had fun. Then they, they offered that to me that year. And I was mad excited. Oh yeah, yeah. What were what were, what are your memories from that that first week there? Because I feel like that's always kind of an insane experience for people to to walk into that show and and sort of something that you've only heard about or seen about from afar, and all of a sudden you're you're in it. Well, it was hell for me because when I got to the job that first week, I didn't know I was going to keep the job. I was in between contracts with Chuck Lorre at Disjointed and Lauren at SNL, and they were fighting to a point where I didn't know if I was going to keep the job. So my first two months, I was just on edge all the time. Like, like, damn, am I going to be gone next week? You know what I mean? So I couldn't really get comfortable. Um, my yeah, f- Lauren, Lauren has a lot of power. I guess Chuck Lorre has a lot of power too, but I think Lauren might uh, might trump him. Hey, man, you know, I, it's two white men with money. So, I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of power there, man. Fight, fighting over you. Yeah, um, you know, love those dudes. Shout out to both of them, man. Um, they, we ended up working it out, but, you know, that was my first time, like, in a situation like that. Uh, and, and, you know, I was mad nervous. So, I, yeah, I, so that first little six months was a blur, bro. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, but then, you know, it started getting comfortable after that. Do you, do you think about sort of during your time there, a, uh, particularly surreal interaction with a host or a musical guest or someone who you just kind of couldn't believe that you were 
working with? Oh, I mean, yeah, like uh, all the time. I mean, yeah, all the time. You know what I'm saying? Um, there's so many, there's so many moments like that. Uh, it's hard to pick one, one specific one. Um, I do, I do, uh, I do like that Obama likes uh, uh, comeback rock and. Yeah, in my Obama uh, impression, I do like that. I mean, there's, there's like there's like a ton of different like I look. I mean, my first episode was Jay Z, and so I met Jay Z and B like after the show, and that was crazy. That's crazy. You know what I'm saying? It was just like there's just there's so many. I mean, you know, I did a song with Lil Wayne, and that was that was dope as hell. And Future, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's funny there's so that, many, like, bro. You were, yeah. you know. By getting into comedy, you've now done all these songs with uh, with Chance the Rapper and Lil Wayne yeah. and all these people that you know through comedy, not through uh, not through music, really. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a whole music career thanks to comedy, which is so ironic and backwards and, and cool. You you won an Emmy for that uh, for writing uh, co-writing Comeback Barack, which was which is a great one. Uh thank you. Yeah, man. Um, didn't even know what an Emmy was for real. <laughs> <laughs> So, and, you know, so I didn't really know what the big deal was until uh, until we were up for it. And then I was like, oh, ah, hmm, it's, it's pretty cool. Oh, the award shows everybody be watching. Like, I don't, I don't even like award shows like that, you know, <laughs> not, you know, not for nothing. But it, it was really exciting, man. That was um, that was I was like, man, it's downhill from here, dog. This is my first year. <laughs> oh, that was your first year. Yeah. Yeah, it's my first year. Yeah. I see you hang gliding, living your life. Dropping your daughter off at college with your wife And y'all look so damn happy And you deserve it, yeah But I'm a selfish man And I know there's other Democrats More than just a few But when I think of change The only change I want is you I'm in hell Dreaming about you and Michelle I'm dreaming, baby hey, ooh, So come back around Come on, man, we're on the rain Don't leave us here alone It's definitely too cold to be raining I mean, I know you're busy with that library and everything. Well, Trump don't even got a dog, man. Just come back, What was the story behind writing that one? Who, whose idea was it, or how did you how did you put that together? Uh, me and me and my uh, homie Will Steven, shout out to Will, who's still writing up there, uh, one of the best to, with the pen. Uh, we were like walking around. We would we would like walk around each other at at at, at, at H and just be like, "Yo, we want to we want to write a song." He was like, "I want to write a song like." Like, like with the president in mind, you know what I mean? Like an R&B joint. And I'm like, yeah, that'd be tight. So we just kept on like letting it marinate, you know what I mean? Because that's, that's, that's one of the keys there. Like you can't rush an idea sometimes when you don't have it all the way fleshed out or because you only got one shot every week at like trying an idea. Uh, so we just kind of like, we just kind of like marinated on it for a little while. Then when Chance was on the schedule, we were like, oh, okay, so this might be a good time for the, but like an Obama track, because he had did this Christmas Obama thing before. So, uh, so we went, we knew we wanted to do an R and B thing to Obama. We just didn't know what it was yet. And then the week of chance, um, we kind of fleshed out the idea more. And then we just kind of, we wrote all night, uh, made made some samples, and you know, uh, we chopped up with Chance. Chance was with it, you know. And then uh, yeah, and then we just we, we just wrote from there, man. And uh, and then we you know, Table Read was that Wednesday. Um, it crushed and, and it was, it was my first time writing something that like, that did that well at the table. And I was like, damn, that table was tough, boy. That table. And you're actually like singing and performing it at the table. Oh yeah. 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 Full out. Yeah. You got to, man. You guys, you got to sell every joke. You got to sell all that shit, man. Like, and, um, 
Yeah, and, and once it it was it was one of it was my first sketch that did well at the table. It was the first one one that did that as well at the or or as well or better at the ta- at the show than it had done at the table. Which is like that's that's the that's the that's the that's the work through the week is to make to make every joke that hit with us hit with the world. You know what I mean? And and sometimes you do it, sometimes you don't, and that's just kind of the ratio, you know. And and, and we did it, and it was it was it was tight, man. It was uh it set it set us up on a road to. Write a write a few good songs that year, uh, but that was our first one that we got like that we got right. I feel like. And you heard that Obama liked it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I was talking with his people, and uh, and they told me that that he was like going around the White House like, <laughs> did y'all see this? Uh, did y'all see this? You know, laughing and shit. So. Coming up, Chris talks about what it's like to not be at SNL right now with Kanye West dominating the news. And he also responds to the rumors that his departure from SNL was connected to his relationship with Kenan Thompson's ex-wife. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. If you're enjoying this episode and want to hear more, please make sure you are following The Last Laugh wherever you get your podcasts. By subscribing to The Last Laugh, you can listen to our episode from last month with Chris's castmate Melissa Villasenor, as well as my conversations with other SNL alums like Colin Quinn, Sam Jay, and Bobby Moynihan, along with everything else from our free archive. And you'll be the first to hear new episodes when they drop every Tuesday. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know how much you love the show and who you want to hear next. Now, back to Chris Red. So I feel like uh, a one big breakthrough moment for you on that show was playing Kanye opposite uh, Alec Baldwin's Trump. That was a big one, I think, um, yeah. beginning, of, uh, beginning of your second season, I guess. You know, uh, I have to think that if you were still there right now, you would be all over that because he's the biggest story in the news right now. Is it, is it hard at all to not be there and have that going on and thinking, Oh, I would be crushing on the show right now. I mean, yeah, dog, like, you know, I'm going to, you know, I, I mean, I'm working on some things so, so that I can, I can, I can have that outlet in that way again. But yeah, of course I miss that outlet of being able to like, I, I can grant, I can write and just do something on my Instagram. Right. But it's different. It's, it's different, different yeah. than, than being on, on the show. But at the same time, you know, I, I have other things I want to do. You know what I'm saying? And I did, I did a lot of that. Um, I, I will miss that that and the, and the Eric Adams. I miss doing that too. Right. Yeah. Uh, so like, there are like things about that show I will definitely miss. You know, but uh, I am really excited to just get back to stand up and uh, to these other projects I'm doing and figuring out figuring out my own platform to 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 tackle some of these things that I. 
I, that I got from the show. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know that, um, you know, unlike Obama, I, I heard that Kanye was was not a fan of of your impression. Is that you you heard that uh, through the grapevine or? I mean, it's safe to assume uh, my, my man don't like that impression. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, man, you know. Hey, judging by the interactions and just and just this, yeah, I don't think he likes it that much. But you know, I don't like what he be saying all the time. So right. <laughs> I, I yeah. think we, I think we're even there. But you know, were you in the room? Uh, I think it was the the episode before the one where you played him. He was the musical guest, and he yeah. did that sort of crazy pro Trump rant after he performed that didn't actually air. But I think a lot of people in the in the room saw it. Um, yeah. What do you remember from that? I remember the dress rehearsal where he did. He he tried his dress rehearsal version of that, and I heard it, but there was music playing still. So, so people were like sitting there vibing, but I was listening to his words, and I was like, "Bro, he about to do. He about to pull some bullshit." Uh, and and I'm not about to be on stage for that. Like, I'm not going to entertain this dude. You know what I mean? Like, I'm been a fan of Kanye the, my whole life. You know what I'm saying? And and. And I missed the old Kanye. Uh, a lot of people, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but like I, you know, he he came in there like wanting to shoot everybody verbally, you know, shoot at everybody in the, under the SNL umbrella. And I just like felt that was disrespectful because we're all like grown uh, adults, and we all and not all of us don't like you, my man. Like you, he just came in there with kind of a chip on his shoulder, ready to ready to talk talk shit so you know i let him talk that shit but i ain't ain't gotta i ain't gotta i ain't gotta catch it you know what i mean so i stayed in mind yeah yeah um i did like that uh that pete davidson got the chance to kind of roast him back uh the following week and that that was before they they had their their big beef yeah oh yeah yeah i guess yeah i mean yeah see see that's funny because you think you think of it like he got the roses i wanted to say something so that's all i'm thinking about (laughs) like oh i didn't get to say nothing on that i wanted to say something yeah, you, got to play, you got to play him though. Mm, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned uh, Eric Adams, which was another huge moment for you. I think in your last season. Um, yeah. And and he actually uh, he told you that he that he liked the portrayal, even though it was a little uh, little out there. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he loves the impression, man. And uh, yeah, me and Eric are real cool. So that's my boy. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and I always like it when people can just like not take themselves too seriously. You know what I mean? You get that in small from moments. Him. Yeah, you know, um, he's just a confident person, and confident people uh, can take a joke, and that's just kind of what it, it's how it always has been. You know, so in that regard, I I, I really rock with Eric a lot. Um, I'm, I'm uh, I want to see what he does with all you know the stuff he's supposed to be doing with the job, but you know what I mean on on a human level, he's 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 a dope dude. What's up, New York? Yeah. <laughs> It's your homeboy, your hometown hero, Eric Adams. Do you feel that? Huh? <laughs> New York is back, baby. You know? The city's never had a mayor with so much swagger before. I mean, y'all see me outside. Oof. The peacoats, the scarves, the shine on the baldy, though. You can tell I have swagger. Keeps me healthy. See? The city's been suffering for what I like to call a swagless existence. <laughs> Y'all ain't had no swagger, that's why you're getting sick. No offense, let's just be real. I haven't been sick in over 60 years. I'm muscular, I'm vegan, and I get that thing thing every day before breakfast, all right? <laughs> you can't start the day without finishing first, you understand me? <laughs> I'm just playing unless you like that. <laughs> 
you know, I, I felt like with that impression, especially you were really hitting your stride on the show yeah. last season. So I was pretty surprised when, you know, it was announced that you weren't coming back um, and you were the last of eight cast members to leave. Um, and I think some of that late timing led to speculation about whether you were leaving on your own accord or or how that all went down. So was it your decision to leave the show or how did that all play out? Yeah, I I, I left. It was it was uh, I was like trying to figure out when I was going to go. And and it was either going to be after this season or this or this season. So because there's I, you know, I, I, a lot of things happened this year. I lost my, you know, I lost my friends, you know what I mean, this year. And like, and, and like people that I really wanted to do projects with and work with. And like, there's a lot of things I just want to do uh, and, and include, have some of my life back and, uh, and, and, you know, and do some other things in comedy and create in some other ways in other spaces. So, um, yeah, so I, th- I, I thought that was better for my growth to do that. You know what I mean? And on top of that, so when, I mean, listen, these these projects will reveal themselves soon, and I think it'll make a lot more sense uh, to a lot of people why I left. Um, but like, that's all I'll say for now. You know what I mean? I mean, I know I, you know, I don't want to pry into your your personal life, as you said. You like to keep that stuff private. There, obviously, I'm sure you're aware that there were, you know, tabloid rumors around your relationship um, about that that had something to do with you leaving. And I just wanted to give you the opportunity to clear anything up around that i mean was that did that play into the decision at all uh nah but when it comes to all of that uh i will speak on it i'm not gonna speak on it now just because there are kids involved in all of this shit and 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 there's a lot of like it's just a lot to it um but i but i will say there's a lot to it and there's more to it than people know and and i and so until i'm ready to talk about the whole thing uh i'm just not gonna i ain't gonna say too much more about that shit but those two things ain't really related like that. You know, you you said you you have other projects in the in the hopper, maybe things you can't talk about yet. Um, what are what are you trying to do next that you that you couldn't do? You know, that was sort of when you were at SNL, it's very it's it can be limiting in terms of what you're able to do outside of that show. I mean, what are you excited to do now that that wasn't really an option then? Um, I'm really excited to uh, to to write a show. Um, to write to write a single camera show, uh, I'm really excited to get into some horror, the horror comedy space. I'm really excited to uh, to keep pounding the pavement on a stand up, get 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 my next special out. Uh, I'm really excited to uh, to get into some comedy music and and do it with like no holds barred, um, and and like work with like my favorite artists who I've you know people who I just would what wouldn't have the time to work with. Um, yeah, and, and and so yeah, I have a, I have a few things up my sleeve, player. It's <laughs> <laughs> exciting. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, and you also mentioned you know losing losing friends, and I I did want to say I, I'm I'm so sorry for the the loss of uh, of Jack Knight, um, and your your co star and and you know co creator on Bust Down, um, which was a really uh, great show that you guys did together. Um, Thanks, man. Can you? I mean, I, I don't know whether there were plans to continue that at all, but is it something that you could imagine returning to in any way? Or does that feel like, you know, that, that chapter is closed? Well, I think that chapter is closed. I, I, I'm, I'm super proud of, of the project that we did and we all are. Um, and we all love it. You know what I'm saying? I, I hope, we, hope, we hope people find it and, and, and enjoy it for what, for, for what that is. Um, we will create something again. We just, uh, I, I think right now, I mean, Peacock don't want to do that shit anyway, but <laughs> Um, but uh 
even if there was an option, I don't, I don't think we would go the bus down route. I think we would probably create something else. But uh, we all love. I mean, that's that's our baby, man. No, we fought tooth and nail for that project, and uh, really, really glad, really, really happy with how it came out. Yeah, I thought he was really, really great on the show. Um, Fantastic. You know, it's just so sad. And uh, I mean, if you're if you're willing to, is there a a story or, or memory about him that that you would share that that stands out to you? Just maybe a, a happy memory or, or something funny that you you guys experienced together? Um, I mean, so many things. Uh, well, but, <laughs> when you ask me this now, it makes me think of the time we were all in a bar and like Jack likes to, Jack Jack is always introducing us to the, his evolution of a, of a new phase in his life. Uh, and so he had, a, he had this phase where he was wearing scarves and shades inside with big old with like with like a big old long brim hats <laughs> uh, and and he looked like music soul child <laughs> it was the funniest thing all night he was just taking pictures and we were just putting side by side with music soul child because he just looked like somebody cool ass auntie that night and it, it just made us laugh so much but that's like who he was man just very confident uh very very funny and just uh yeah man i miss my friend a lot um, so what I want to do now is our final segment called the first laugh. So I'm going to run through some, uh, some questions about some firsts in your career and, and maybe we can some, tell some stories. Uh, so starting with when you were growing up, do you remember the first piece of comedy that really made you laugh hard that you really connected with? Um, the first piece of comedy that I really laughed at hard. I mean, there, I mean, I started watching and listening to comedy super young but the first time that hit me i mean first time i can remember that it hit me like hard is uh cat williams pimp chronicles uh that man had me laughing so hard bro i would I, I i didn't understand how someone could be that funny you know what i mean and, and this is this is before i even wanted to be in comedy like i was just like i just love comedy but the his laugh rate was crazy like to me like he he destroyed in that special and it was it was like, man, I want a piece of that. I want to know what that feels like to rock a crowd like that, you know? Um, yeah, so that, that's my first, like, memory. The first person I listened to was Richard. I, I laughed at that. But, like, the first time it, it, it like, hurt my stomach and changed me was, like, <laughs> Cat Williams. And you got to play him on SNL, too, right? Yes, I did. Yeah. I'm a huge, huge fan of Cat. I, I don't know if he liked or disliked. I don't think I, I I think I did him justice. You know what I'm saying? I don't think I I, I don't think I made fun of him too crazy. I think I think it was with I respect. Think, yeah, I, yeah, obviously you got to. Uh, you know, he's an OG legend. So, do you remember the first time that you knew you were funny? That you had the ability to make other people laugh? Yeah, I social anxiety when I was when I was a kid. So, uh, comedy was how I how I broke um, ice with anybody. It was it was it was how I. Uh, was able to make myself comfortable around people with crack jokes. So I always knew I was funny a little bit. And then when I couldn't get a job, because I had got fired from so many places in the area, I couldn't get hired. For, for, like So I would go up to this McDonald's where my friend worked at, and I would just crack jokes, and they would just give me food every day. And, and so I was like, damn, maybe I'm funny. Maybe I'm funny, because I'm like, I'm laughing my way into free meals. I think they think I was homeless, but I'm going to go with the <laughs> fact they thought I was funny. And... Uh, and then when I got, uh, and then I got this job at Olive Garden, uh, and, and I saw like the way that my joke, joking with people was making my tips go up. I was like, oh, huh. Hmm. Maybe I could, uh, maybe there's something here, but it ha I waited until I was done rapping and, and lost 
a little bit before I, I made a move to see if I could actually tell jokes. But uh, it was, oh, no, I'm, I'm bullshitting. <laughs> I, I did. The, I, I I hosted this uh, hosted this, this variety show at, at a community college, and I told a joke um, about this dude doing nun. He was he had a nunchuck routine, but he was like beating his his he was beating his ass and somebody else's ass with the same <laughs> nunchucks. And I said that in the room, and, it, and everybody laughed. And I was that was the first time I was like, oh shit, hey, I got something here, you know. Was that something that you just kind of made up on the spot, or something you prepared, or? Oh, I I have nothing prepared. I, it was it was all off the top, man. It was all like it was just me seeing something and then saying something. It's just an observational joke, you know what I mean? And uh, I was like, oh, I like that. That's cool. What about the first time that I mean that was sort of a, a hosting a variety show? What was the first time you really got up and and did stand up like real stand up for the first time at an open mic or a, a show or something like that? The first time I did it was um, wow, a while ago. It was after I, I was taking classes at Second City and. After a class at Second City, I went to this, um, I think this 710 Lounge, I think it was called back in the day. It's this bar that was also a bowling alley that also had a lounge where comedy would happen. And it was this real shitty show where a bunch of comics with notebooks just sitting there, half listening. And I was, I remember being so nervous to go up at this little, little ass bar show. But I had my little, I had my little uh, six jokes written out. Too deep, too overly detailed, <laughs> and I went up there and just basically read out, read off a notepad, shaking, scared as fuck, you know. And uh, and I did, I did well, you know. What I mean, I did, I did well, um, I did too well because <laughs> it it was not, it was not, um, yeah, it was, it was not an indication of what the next two years were going to be because the next two years I I would be bombing a lot, <laughs> you know. That's what that's what so many comics say is that 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 first time goes a little too well and then you're kind of hooked and you and you you got to keep going. Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, I knew something was there, but I was chasing. I was chasing. I mean, my first three years was rough, man. Like, cause I was trying to do a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? I was learning sketch, improv, and stand up at the same time and trying to incorporate all that shit. And you know, so it took me. It took a lot of shows and a lot of practice and a lot of just you know. Um, just hustling, you know. What I mean, just just to learn the craft and, and and understand understand how they all work together, you know. Do you remember once you started sort of getting the hang of it, the first joke that you had that that really worked every time that you could go back to that was sort of like your your best oh, early joke? Dang, what was my my first joke? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, my first my first joke. Dang, what was my, uh, I think my first joke that I had that I knew worked was this Tanya bit. This bit, um, we were in the airport and, uh, in Atlanta when, when they got two inches, of, two inches of snow and shut the whole city down. And, and I have, and I had this character piece about this woman named Tanya who worked for Delta, who was fed up and started roasting people over the intercom. And, and that, that was a bit that I knew worked every time. And like, it was a bit that would like, introduce me into the way I write jokes and like into my style of, 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 of how I tackle an issue. And, uh, that, yeah, that, I, I remember that one being, being one of the first ones where I was like, hell yeah, this, this is, this is like a good joke. And I mean, it got way better once I actually learned how to write jokes, but there were elements of it already that were there, you know? And then I had a bunch of, I had a bunch of jokes that like, uh, 
I had jokes about being about being from the burbs and having a commute to the hood and like and like no matter how gangster you are, you you still start your life like a thug care bear sliding down a rainbow slide with your friends. Like that was like <laughs> one of the first jokes I I wrote that that uh, that would work. Um, yeah, I had a few that were. Uh, I, I used to do this thing. I used to do this thing to like curb my anxiety where I would beatbox and then I would stop beatboxing. And I would do one liners and I would beatbox again. <laughs> that was sort of a way and, to calm your nerves. Yeah, a way to calm my nerves and like and just get people going. So I so even if the bomb happened, like the callback of the of the beatbox and the That's randomly a good hook. Just, it, it it's it's great. Uh a lot of people called it cheating. <laughs> they're like you're avoiding the bomb i'm like so what nigga <laughs> it works it works yeah you know I mean? we talked about uh comeback barack as sort of an early success on snl but is there a first sketch that you wrote for that show that that you were so proud got on um that you were just really excited about um uh in terms of more just like a, a sketch on the show i mean look baby steps was my very first sketch that i helped with you know and Pete had most of that written already. Pete and one of his homies had that written already. But, you know, I helped a little bit uh, with it. So that was a, a technically I'm on there as a writer. And and I was so excited because it had been so hard to get anything on. And I had been beaten down on damn tables. And no one was writing nothing for me for real at that time. So it was just like, thank God. I was so excited I got a tattoo of, of of one of the lyrics from that we babies on my arm with with Miley <laughs> and Pete only Miley and Pete do not talk about the fact I have the tattoo that they have and they've already <laughs> they just... had it removed and then they did an interview how they had it removed and they're like yeah we we got tatted meanwhile my dumb ass is sitting over <laughs> here with a we it. babies tattoo <laughs> under my arm the only nigga left so I didn't realize that I was gonna be erased from the story. <laughs> Otherwise, you were, I may you have were erased, not got, but the, the tattoo was not erased. I was erased, but the tattoo's forever, nigga. God damn. <laughs> Ain't that a bitch? <laughs> yo, what up? It's your boy, Soft Spot. Shit, man, heavy dyke. And me, onesie. And yo, girl, baby snack. Wow, wow. We got that new dance for y'all. We babies, so you know when we get down, you gotta do the baby step. Wow, wow. Let's do it. Let's do it. And I am not in this. Hey, what's your name on Insta? We taking baby steps. Is you gonna pay for dinner? We taking baby steps. Yo, do the baby step. Yeah, do the baby step. Yeah, do the baby step. Yeah, do the baby step. Yeah. I said, I said, I'm not doing this. Don't cut to me anymore. I'm serious. Come on. Do you have a, a story or memory from your career that, that really makes you laugh now, but really was not funny when it happened? Um, anything that, that comes to mind? Yeah. I mean, you know, I talk about it in my special and I've, and I've talked about it a, a, a number of times. But, you know, my first fight, man, my first fight in which I, I got hit in the throat and, you know, and farted was not fun <laughs> or funny to me, bro. Like, <laughs> No one laughed as hard as they laugh when I tell the story, you know what I mean? But, like, you know, most of the things I talk about, um, it, it, most of the things I talk about weren't funny to me when I was talking about it, you know? Uh, I have a new joke now that, about um, when I tried to run away and I jumped out of my brother's second story window to 
head to my new life and I sprained both my ankles at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> that that and, probably wasn't uh, very funny. That wasn't funny at all, man. That was, you know, uh, <laughs> it was painful. Uh, I, I still ran away on two uh, uh, sprained ankles because I am con- uh, committed. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the, most of the things that I joke about weren't funny at the moment or at the time, you know. I'm sure, you know, we've talked about some of them, but you've met a lot of uh, incredible people during your time at SNL and just in comedy in general. Um, yeah. Do you remember the first time meeting a, a big comedy hero of yours, someone who you really looked up to and, and what it was like to, to get to meet them for the first time? I met a ton of them, man. Um, you know, uh, Chappelle was, you know I mean? Uh, Larry David was the first person that showed up from the comedy world where I was like, dang, this is Larry David, bro. <laughs> yeah. And... And I remember, I was like, I gotta be, I gotta like, my pictures gotta be, they gotta, gotta be good. And I was so in my head about this, I bombed this pitch. Like, so this was like back when Mondays, we used to come in Mondays and have to pitch in front of everybody and meet the host for the first time so they can kind of get acclimated, right? So they can, they can be like, okay, this is everybody's sense of humor, blah, blah, blah. So we all go around, we're all cramped up in this room and we all go around pitching. My pitch, was so fucking long because I was just like meandering through it, like just nervous and just like adding so many layers to this pitch. And after I was done talking, he was like, is this a movie? And everybody just <laughs> fucking died, bro. And I'm just sitting there. You got there, roasted. Oh, I, I wanted to jump out the fucking window. I'm like, Larry David thinks I'm a hack, fam. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, but then it was full circle because I did the roast of Alec Baldwin and, and and Larry watched it, and he was like, you wrote that? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, fuck, that's hilarious, you know? And I was like, yes, Larry thinks I'm funny now. You know what I mean? It was like one of them things. Uh, but it, that was like, that's, that's like one of the cool things about that job, you know, that people understand it, people know it, know the deal. And, and, it's, and you know, you can have these unique conversations with people who are, who are in different generations of this, you know? I was I was in the room for that roast um, and and thought you were you're great as well. I love the the joke. I think it was probably the opener where you say that you were the the only uh, the only SNL person who showed up for for Alec Baldwin. Yeah, yeah. that was I was so nervous, but I had so much fun with that roast, man. I love roasting. It's just I feel like it's such a such a dope uh, art form, man. Yeah, that was a great one. Finally, I like to ask uh, my guests um, about what's making them laugh right now. So what's the last piece of comedy that made you laugh really hard? Something you want to shout out, um, something you've enjoyed uh, that you want to recommend or or something that just made you laugh? Oh, man, something that made me laugh. Well, I've been in the edit for a minute, so <laughs> um, I'm trying. I'm trying. To, I mean, there's a lot. Not, but I'm trying to think of something I just watched. I watch a lot of horror right now, you know, especially when I'm editing a special because I don't want to be influenced by anything. You don't want to watch too much comedy. Yeah, so I'm so I'm, I'm having a tough time thinking about a comedy off top because I'm just watching the other guys, man, and I, and that's my go-to like palate cleanser, a classic. <laughs> <laughs> Stop humming like that. Like I love that <laughs> movie so fucking much. Um. And yeah, and there's like uh, I can't think of it. I can't think of anybody off top that. Uh, and I'm a, I'm gonna regret this because then I'm gonna get off here and think about <laughs> everybody. Uh, <laughs> but that's okay. I mean, yeah, yeah. I can't. Other, think of other guys is great. Everyone should watch it. Everybody should and watch Pop Star, man. It's on HBO Max. Oh now. yeah, you know Pop Star. 
yeah. If you haven't seen Popstar, definitely check that out. Um, and I know, well, and I know most of y'all ain't seen it, so watch the goddamn movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, Chris, thank you so much for doing this. Um, I'm really glad that we were able to to reschedule and make it happen. Um, yeah, and, man. And glad Thanks to see for that you're doing well. Bro. Yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate you, bro. And congrats on the special. It's it's really fantastic, and I think everyone's really going to enjoy it. I hope so, because I don't have a job, man. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You're nah, killing hope, it, man. I believe, bro. I appreciate you, bro. All right. Thanks again to Chris Red for being my guest on this episode. His new stand-up special, Why Am I Like This, is streaming now on HBO Max. And if you haven't gotten a chance to check out his show, Bust Down, it is available to stream on Peacock. If you want to support The Last Laugh, please help us out by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We want as many people to hear this show as possible, and you can help by spreading the word and sharing it with your friends. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at TheDailyBeast.com. And if you're not already, please follow at Last Laugh Pod on Instagram, where you can see photos and videos from all of our episodes and see who is coming up next week on the show. The Last Laugh is distributed by Acast for The Daily Beast, with audio production by Jesse Cannon. Our theme music is by Claude, who you can find on Instagram at claude.mb3. You can find this show every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.